Welcome to No Bunts, the podcast for the casual baseball fan here on the Athletic Baseball Show. I'm Taz Mellis in studio in Atlanta and with me, making the magic happen, it's super producer JD. Hello. Hello, JD. And with us, my co-host all season long from across the world in Taiwan, it's Joel McMillan. Joel, how you doing? And have the cats been fed? Uh, what time is it? Uh, I think they're gonna be fed in about 45 minutes. Yeah, 915s when the machines go off. So uh, in a bit, in a bit. Oh, and I'm well, thanks for asking. I always need to ask. You change locations on us so you're not at home so you don't know exactly when the cats are gonna be fed or you change the cat's time because you change locations <laughs> and they're allowed to be fed later on because it would have been noisy otherwise if you were at home. You just hit a home run there, Tass. That's exactly what happened. Well done. <laughs> hey, we got to give the listener what they want. Uh, if you're new to No Bunts, we talk about cats every week. Also, uh, we hope that you will be with us every single week because we plan. No, we 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 will not 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 we plan. We will uh, be doing a lot of fun things around the game of baseball. So join us on the Athletic Baseball Show feed every week, and we stream live on YouTube on Wednesdays. Today, forget about this season. Today, we will debut a new segment called You're Out, where we got to eliminate one topic from a certain category. It's going to be fun. Uh, I attended a game here in Atlanta to get the feel of the new rules in person, so we'll get to that. Uh, but let's start, Joel, with some bold proclamations in a segment we're calling It's Only April, but. Yeah, it's, let's just let's just get out there. Our, our predictions, our proclamations. We've seen teams play eleven or twelve games. We've seen enough. We know what's going to happen, Joel. So let's map mm -hmm. out the rest of the season here for the people out there. Start with this one. As I mentioned, the rules. That is the hot topic. The first one here. It's only April, but the rule changes have made the game a lot better, Joel. Absolutely agree. Uh, early returns look very good. Uh, averages up 16 points from last year. Mm. Steals are up from 1.2 per game to 1.32 per game. And the time of the game is down 31 minutes. Uh, I think the product looks excellent. Um, it's exciting. It's fast paced. It's it's very different from last year. I'm still kind of getting used to it because it does move so quick. Um, but I love how the product looks so far. Absolutely love it. No complaints. There's been a few hiccups here and there, I think, with pitchers and hitters. But I think that will kind of get fleshed out, you know, as the season goes on. But for me personally, I think the game is a lot better. Absolutely. Uh, the violations have been a lot fewer and far between than I expected, especially looking back to how it worked in the minor leagues last year. There haven't been many violations. And that's also uh, to lump on the fact that not only are there pitch clocks for the pitchers and the hitters got to be in the box and obviously the um, the. the the shift rules have been banned, but there's also the pitch calm uh, that we'll get into a little bit later on where pitchers now have the ability to type in on their wrist uh, so the catcher can hear what pitch that they want to hear. That's new for this year. Last year, only the catchers could do it. So the fact that we're getting such few, so many uh, 
just quick games, as you said, the the, the time down uh, without the violations is surprising to me. I thought the steals were up even more. I was surprised by that number that you threw out there, Joel. I, I, mm-hmm. I they have dropped. I guess the last couple days, pace the pace has, has dropped a, a couple plays. But uh, yeah, we will um, get into it a little bit more as I get into my experience at the games. How it does feel a little bit different, like you said, it it must be different for some people to get used to i will say just watching from home the broadcast experience has been pretty solid in terms of the the little clock that comes up now watching different broadcasts from team to team to team sometimes you'll see it pop up with 12 seconds that 15 second clock that the the pitcher has when there's nobody on or it'll pop up with 10 it'll change there even the broadcasts are getting used to it uh and, but i don't think it's it's not taken over the broadcast by any means. That's obviously mm-hmm. not what baseball wants. And I think it is feeling more like a shot clock in basketball or a play clock in football where it's just there. And right. fans walk away and say, wow, that game was fast. And everybody is focused on that. And um, I, I will say that the pitch com, I'm sure, is having a big effect as well because there are very minimal shakeoffs uh, from the catchers, and and I was in person. I've got my uh, my popcorn jug here from the from the Braves Stadium. Uh, I've nice. got I've got all my little tchotchkes. We'll get into a little bit later, but yes, rule changes overall they feel good. And and I, and I do want to get to even just the look of of the field, but we'll talk about that uh, a little bit later on. Okay, next one here. It's only April, but Boston versus Toronto will be the best matchup this season. I was shocked when you wanted to make that proclamation, Joel. Little bit of, uh, you know, a little bit of a homerism in this one, being sure. a Jays fan. But uh, last week, Alex Verdugo uh, did an interview, and I I just kind of heard the clip. I don't know, like, what led into it, but he was, you know, talking about how certain players – uh, we're kind of celebrating too much and it was rubbing him the wrong way or rubbing certain guys the wrong way. And he specifically mentioned Alec Manoa by name and, you know, said a couple of kind of derogatory things. Um, and then Manoa responded and said, I don't give a bleep. Uh, they're division rivals. Uh, I think they had a game last year where like the, the benches did clear uh, during that game. Alec Manoa told one of the players to sit the F down uh, division games are always going to be heated and Toronto owned the season series last year. They beat Boston 16 games. Boston only won three. They out hit them. They outscored them. It was just very, very one-sided. So I think going into the season with Verdugo's comments and Manoa's just a dude that to me seems like he doesn't really take uh, anything, you know, from anyone. And uh, I'm excited to see these teams play really. Um, I think it'll be exciting. Uh, I, I hope it doesn't like end up in fighting or anything. I don't like to see that. I don't like, like to see guys get hurt, but I love me some good beef, you know, always <laughs> makes things spicy. <laughs> I guess I was surprised because Boston is projected to be the worst team in the AL East and your proclamation, your prediction of four teams making it from the AL East being the, the Jays, mm-hmm. the Rays, the Yanks and the Orioles sneaking in. They were pretty close last year. It is a good one, and it is looking fantastic. Edley Rutschman of the Orioles looking amazing. I see a lot of people calling him the best catcher in baseball, which, heck, sure looks like it so far this season. It would make 
total sense if the four teams in the AL East uh, make the playoffs and if the Red Sox are a part of that, a part of yeah, the drama in the AL East, I guess you can call it. Obviously, yes, we've got some homer bias, but it's the best division in baseball regardless and and regardless of bias and if the Red Sox join the fray, Joel, it'll clearly be the best division in baseball. How quickly before we get on to the next one, how are you feeling about your four AL East teams make the postseason prediction? Looks good so far. You know, Baltimore, Baltimore looks good. Toronto looks good. Tampa Bay's 11 and 0, I think, last night. And, you know, the Yankees are off to a good start. So I, I haven't, I mean, I don't really look at the wild card standings. We've only been playing for too you know, soon, less Joel, than two too weeks. soon. Yeah, too soon. But, I mean, it, you know, and even Boston, I think, is just one game under 500. I mean, you know, the, the division is, is going to be tight, and I'm I'm sticking with that. I truly believe that, you know, the AL East has a legitimate shot of having four teams in the postseason. I'm going to double down on it. All right, let's get away from the AL East for a second because we do talk about other teams, other divisions. It's only April, but Trey Turner is the sickest player to watch in baseball. I believe that's the, the terminology you wanted to use, and I was down down with it, Joel. Okay. Tess, for the record, I think I said slickest player. No. I think I said slickest. Didn't you have two options in the document? I thought you had slickest and sickest. No? Oh, maybe that's we me. We can go to the tape after. We can go to the tape after. <laughs> we because can, I don't... I we can don't, check the edits. I haven't used the word sickest. I. Oh. Oh, but I, anyway, I, I mean, it still, it still pertains to this question. But, <laughs> you know, sickest, slickest... Um, it's yeah for me it's absolutely Trey Turner I mean, he's just I mean I'm gonna sound like such a nerd saying this but he's so cool you know like he's just <laughs> coolest player he's very baseball. he's very smooth like he's been gifted and memed he's he's got that really cool like no effort slide uh he's just he's very exciting to watch he had a great world baseball classic he made a he made a play last week where he kind of he slid and caught a foul ball while blowing a bubble and maintain the bubble task. So, wow. you know, it doesn't get any sick or slick, uh, sicker or slicker <laughs> than that. Sounds like a good segment. Sicker or slicker. Or cooler. <laughs> or cooler. Um, or cooler. Yeah. Well, you sold me on Trey Turner. That that does sound cool. It sounds sick. It sounds slick. Coming off the World Baseball Classic performance. He was a talk uh, of the tournament to some degree uh, for the American team, as well as the talk during the offseason. Uh, so I'm cool with it. Uh, it's good to have some NL content in here, but let's get back to the AL because we are a little bit biased. Let's let's be completely honest. Uh, I'll take this one, Joel, because you didn't want to touch this with a 10-foot pole, and I respect you for it. It's only April, but Aaron Judge is going to break his own home run record. Admittedly, this one is stupid. This is for uh, the casual fan out there that just wants to know about the Yanks and about Aaron Judge. Now, he's way behind pace. That's why it's it's stupid. Mm. It's a stupid proclamation. He hit two versus the Orioles on Sunday. He has four this season. Now, four, way behind pace. But behind his, uh, no, in, in relation to his pace of last year, he's far ahead. He hit four homers. On April 26th is when he hit his fourth homer last year. Uh, so April 9th versus April 26th. So he's far ahead of that pace, but again, way behind the pace of 62. I will say 
He's hit 37 career home runs versus the Orioles, where he hit two on Sunday. And the divisional battles, the the um, the weighted schedules has changed uh, this season. They go down. The number of games that you play against your own division has gone down from 19 to 13. Uh, so the fact that he hasn't, uh, he doesn't get as many games against the Orioles maybe hurts him because that's by far uh, the team that he has hit the most home runs against. But just wanted to yeah. update people on the Aaron Judge situation, Joel, because uh, listen, as a as a casual baseball fan last year, it was something that I was watching, something the entire world was watching. So I wanted to update people. He obviously picked up an extremely quick pace last year. Mm -hmm. The fact that he only had four on April 26th. Now the season started a little bit later, a week later last year. Uh, But obviously getting to to 62 would be difficult uh, Mm -hmm. in any season. Uh, So it's it's dumb to say, Joel, but I just wanted to throw that out there. Well, Tass, just really quickly, um, I just want to, you know, when I was preparing for the show today, only in... Players have only hit 60 home runs or more in back-to-back seasons. And oddly enough, Sammy Sosa and Mark McGuire hit 60, uh, over 60 in 1998 and 1999. And I believe that's the only time it's been done in MLB history. So to Mm. accomplish that feat is extremely difficult. And I know Aaron Judge is you know, one of the most talented baseball players we've seen in a very long time. And it's not a knock on judge. It's just, it's so hard to replicate a season like that. I mean, Bonds, when Bonds was on his tear in the early 2000s, even when he broke it, he never even hit 60 or more in back-to-back seasons. Uh, The year after he broke the record, I believe he hit 27 fewer home runs. And he still had like a crazy season. So it really truly is hard to do, Tass. And yeah, I've got the same thing in my notes here too, is that I think a balanced schedule actually hurts a guy like Judge because, you know, like when you're playing divisional teams, you play them, I think, 18 or 19 times a year. You're going to see, you're going to get a lot of good looks at, both their starting pitching uh, and their relief pitching. But with a balanced schedule, you're not really going to have as much scouting. You're not going to have as much experience facing some of these guys. And I think that's an advantage to the pitcher and not the hitter. So it'll be interesting to see if Judge can do it again. But I'm going to say no, not because Judge doesn't have the ability to do it. I just think historically it's just very, very difficult to do. That's a very good point. I do love the uh, the balanced schedule, though, just from a casual fan's perspective, just to see other teams play against my team. Uh, to see mm-hmm. you see uh, every NL team in in our AL bias. In the case of our AL bias, uh, I, I I love that. Uh, so I, I am looking forward to uh, to the balanced schedule, no doubt. Even if Aaron Judge isn't. All right, let's move on, Joel, to this next one. It's only April, but the Angels are going to miss the playoffs. Again, it's too early to tell. It's it's too early to tell. In my opinion, they've I I think they're around five hundred. Six and five um, right now. Six and five right now. Okay, they had they blew their bullpen blew two games against Toronto this past weekend. I think that's really just kind of the Achilles heel of the Angels, and it has been for years, at least as long as Trout's been there. Is they just don't have the pitching and it's very frustrating, you know, to see them kind of waste trout and now Otani's prime basically by not 
surrounding them and, and supplementing that team with with good pitching. Um, I think they're going to be better than last year, but I I don't think they're going to make the playoffs. Not so much because I think they're bad. It's just I think there's teams better than them. I think a lot of things are going to need to break right for Anaheim to qualify for one of those playoff spots because they're not going to win the division. And I just think there's better teams ahead of them in the wild card race. But I like, I want Anaheim to get in. I want Otani, especially after the world baseball classic, I want Otani and I want Mike Trout playing in high leverage, exciting games. It's just heartbreaking as a baseball fan to not be able to see that. It's, it's just, it breaks my heart. Uh, I hate to put you on the spot with this question because you brought up their starting pitching. And uh, last year, I know it was something that happened with the Angels where they threw six guys a lot. They had six starters a lot just Mm -hmm. to take uh, the weight off Otani uh, to some degree. But that obviously dilutes their starting pitching because if you don't have a number three, uh, well, uh, obviously you don't have a five and a six. Mm -hmm. I, I think they've gone with five to this point of the season because of the way the days off have worked out. But I assume they're going to do the same thing this year, right? Where they start six guys and that is a detriment to their team. Or is it possible I'm wrong and they're only going to start five guys like a regular rotation? I don't know if they've used six starters. I believe they're only going with a five man rotation thus far. I could be wrong. No, I think um, I think I think that's right to this point, especially because the way the schedule has worked out, there's days off. Uh, right. There's plenty, so it, so it works out. Uh, yeah, we are obviously early, but to this point, from what I'm seeing, they've only threw out five. Yeah. Uh, Sandoval looks good. Um, he had a great World Baseball Classic, and he pitched really well the other night uh, against Toronto. He looks good, but it's just – I just don't think they – like over the course of 162 games, I don't think they have the arms to just get there. I, I just don't. All right, fair point, Joe. Let's move on here. It's only April, but the Rays are going to go undefeated. Yeah, they're 11-0, and Joel. The Tampa Bay Rays. Oh my gosh, that would be amazing. What would the we have to we have to do the finite math on that probabilities? What would the odds of that actually be? Hmm. I don't think you can come up with a number big enough. It's is it yeah. li- is it like winning a lottery? Probably isn't something. finite math. You just calculate the odds. I don't know. I digress. <laughs> but it would be it would be tough. But yeah, to your point, I mean, they look great. But I will say this. Tass, they've played four bad teams. They yeah. And you can't fault Tampa Bay for that. They don't make the schedule. Uh, but the record, the combined records of the teams that they've played is 13 and 31. Uh, none of those four teams are uh, are over 500. Uh, that said, they're winning. They're winning big. They're blowing teams out. They're winning close games. They've shut out. They've had several shutouts already. They look like a very well-oiled machine. Uh, they have a very good chance at winning the division. 11 wins in a row is 11 wins in a row, regardless of it's in April or September. And the AL East is going to be such a close division. And this really, really boosts their chance of winning the division. And we all know, you know, how important that is with the new playoff rules, you know, getting a buy and such. So 
I think, you know, they're really a team that is going to be I like I would not want to play the Rays. I wouldn't say they're a World Series favorite, but they're a team that like I wouldn't want to play in the playoffs. Just I think they'd be a very, very tough out. Same old story with the Rays. Always a tough out. Uh, mm-hmm. they, they keep doing it. Yeah, they've played the Nats, Tigers, A's and Red Sox. Uh, so that's the the toughest team I, uh, that they've played there. Um, but 11-0 is 11-0, as you said. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to go and calculate the probabilities. Um, we just <laughs> threw out the word undefeated in there for absolutely, yeah, just the clicks, Joel. We know they're not going undefeated. <laughs> but, the, you know, what we did have in here, since we've we've done a little behind-the-scenes Google Doc, I'm, I'm correct in saying this, it was the race go undefeated or the Rays win the AL East. And oh, okay. so how do you feel about even that proclamation uh, with with the Yanks and the Jays uh, being there along with them? Is that even too, it's too early to say that the Yanks and Jays only four games behind right now. Even before the season test, the, even without the 11 game win streak, I would still say Tampa would be a legit favorite to win the American league East. I feel what's kind of hurt them the past few seasons has been uh, injuries. They've had, they've had a hard time staying healthy. So, you know, them winning the American league East, I don't think that's a bold proclamation at this point. I think it's a very valid take. And I wanted to uh, throw this in there for uh, our man JD, because we covered the playoffs so closely here and we saw the Rays, (laughs) Pete Fairbanks, uh, the relief pitcher, he was pitching in Cleveland. It was a it was a cold one uh, in Cleveland. And the Rays reliever came in and immediately walked a couple guys, looked at his hand, and immediately said, my hand is really cold. I can't feel my hands, was, yeah. the, was the exact quote, J.D. And what was the... Uh, the syndrome you diagnosed him with from uh, from here, <laughs> Raynaud's Raynaud's syndrome. Yeah, uh, was, yeah, I think it was called Raynaud's. Where Raynaud's. What, what what was what what is that all about? It's brought it basically the blood vessels in your hands uh, tense up and cut off the blood circulation to your fingers. So uh, I get it. It's brought on by cold or and or stress. Mm-hmm. And he was cold, and you're pitching in a. In a uh, a playoff MLB game, I imagine that's pretty stressful. So, I think that's oh, yeah. what it was. Yeah, there and and we did see a lot of um, a lot of pitchers with cold hands in because uh, as the season went, you know, a little bit later in October and, and November, there that was happening a lot. But Pete Fairbanks just wanted to mention he's back on the hill uh, and pitching well. All right, this one's a contentious one here, Joel. It's only April, but the Blue Jays have the best stadium in baseball. Now, we know that's not the case <laughs> as homers, as homers. But I, I bring this up because of the renovations. Tuesday night, finally, the Jays had their first home game and the renovations were shown off. What they're trying to do is take this old stadium and turn it into a ballpark, as they say in baseball. They tried to renovate the outfield uh, specifically. So uh, the things that they done, the outfield seats now run right up against the fence. You know, So the, mm-hmm. the, the fans are right in there instead of that big gap. 
Uh, there are new dimensions to the fences. There's taller fences, raised bullpens, which are awesome. Instead of being in this cove down there where fans can't see them, they're now up so you can actually see them. They replaced the plastic chairs in the 500 level. We're going way up there. Those, just, those chunky seats now have been replaced. And the biggest thing uh, when you're talking about converting a stadium into a ballpark is they've made some neighborhoods as they say in the outfield. Uh, Toronto is a city of neighborhoods, uh, so we all know that. So uh, the fact that they've, they've, they've added basically these you know, drinking spots, these overhanging areas uh, where it, uh, drinking spots is a good word for them because the shots during the broadcast yesterday showed, it felt like people were at a bar, like lined up in, mm-hmm. in pairs, just kind of trying to see over someone's shoulder. And Alejandro Kirk... Uh, bopped one there. It was perfect timing uh, for the Jays as he put one right over, right into the overhang into left field where they're lined up there. And so they've tried to create these spots where you can hang. It is a difficult, difficult ask to do that in a stadium that's already constructed just because there's not a lot of room to create these things. In comparison, here uh, at Truist Park in Atlanta, there's you know there's there's concrete for days mm-hmm. where you can you can line up ten people in the standing room only sections. But uh, I, I wanted to bring this up because it happened yesterday. It's our hometown of Toronto. The dome was open, <laughs> unseasonable temperatures. Speaking of cold, yeah. Well, the temperature just yeah wild wild temperatures for Toronto in April, and it worked out so perfectly in that. Kevin Kiermeyer, Jay's center fielder, had a ball go over his head, and he tracked it, and he tracked it, and he tracked it, and he took away a home run over the new fence, which has a light blue trim, a baby blue trim um, on on the fence. Oh, you're okay with that? Because I know we came into this saying you didn't like the the renovations in general. And and go ahead and, and, and be free with it. No one's listening, so don't don't worry about it. Let us know what you really think about the same because because it, it definitely there are there are improvements. It definitely looks mm-hmm. it looks different, especially the the fencing uh, how there's cutouts mm-hmm. and it's not uniform. You know, from left field foul pole to the right field foul pole. What do you think about him, Joel? Okay, um, I. Tess, have you ever seen Major League Two? <laughs> have you ever seen Major League Two? Yes, I, I definitely. Okay, re- I remember the first one way more, and there's a reason yeah. for that. But uh, yes, exactly. Yeah. So the new outfield wall immediately reminded me of that scene from Major League Two, where like the team is struggling with money, and Roger Dorn sells a bunch of ad space on the outfield wall. That immediately popped into my mind when I saw the outfield wall because there's just sponsors all over. I don't know. I thought of that. Um, I think from a fan standpoint, like in terms of like a lot, like a, like an in-stadium experience, it looks fantastic. Uh, I was watching City TV and CBC and they were kind of going through and like, you know, showing off the new amenities and it looks amazing. You're like, watching the, absolutely can- you're wa- watching the Canadian channels from Taiwan. On YouTube, yeah. Like, I just, you know, just, yeah, watching City TV. Amazing. City TV's everywhere, Tad. Did you know that? <laughs> so you like the Mark amenities. Daly. Yeah, the, fa- the yeah. there's somewhere to hang out. There's somewhere to stand, which, you know, being here in Truist Park at, at the Braves games, uh, we'll get to it. I 
was happy to stand uh, at a, at a game. There's mm-hmm. now there's locations even if you are sort of sardined in there. Yeah, um, from a fan experience, I think it looks great. From a from like in terms of playing the game, I think it's going to be a launching pad because the Skydome was already a very hitty sorry a very hitter friendly park before the renovations. I think you're just going to see so many balls that last year that would have been a deep fly out. I think they're going to go for home runs. And I don't know if that's necessarily an advantage to Toronto per se, you know, we don't know yet. Um, But, you know, there was, I think four or five home runs from last night's game. Yeah. So five home runs. Yeah. So we'll see how that plays. And also one of the names like guys be creative. One of the names is called park social. Really? Mm -hmm. Like, that's what you came up with? I mean, you guys have had all this time you named Park Social. The bird's nest. It's it's because Park Social is the area for kids and families. Are you kidding me? Blue Jays, bird's nest? Come on. Park Social? Miss me with that. So I think the names are a bit ridiculous of some of the new areas. But, you know, that's just me being uh, nitpicky. But it looks fun. Um, it'll be great, you know, I think on the weekends, you know, once the weather warms up, you know, you got a lot of people there. They're obviously... I think they're targeting a younger crowd, which I think is a a really good move on their point. And they're just kind of trying to make it a destination place. Even if you're not necessarily like a big baseball fan, it's still kind of a cool place to go grab a couple of drinks. You know, it's a great atmosphere. You know, Blue Jays have great fans and they've got an exciting team. So I think it's the perfect year to do this, but I'm curious to see, like how many more runs are scored, how many more, you know, fly balls go out for home runs and such, because I think, yeah, you're going to see a lot of home runs. And I don't know if that's necessarily going to be a good thing. I hear you. Um, <laughs> I like the name call, the name call out. I didn't realize from park social to something like you, you suggested the bird's nest is a good idea. JD, can I get your, uh, <laughs> Your generic thoughts after night one. I, I, I can't believe there isn't a bird's nest, especially the patio that's on the 500 level, yeah. which oh, I haven't seen yet. But Oh, uh, there's a patio on the 500 that's level. Apparently, I read that, that there there is a, yeah. a, a an open air you know patio way up high. That's wow. got to be the bird's nest. I mean, it's just yeah. a, a no-brainer. They still have time. I, I'm surprised they – well, I guess – I was kind of when you said neighborhoods that I was expecting them to be named after Toronto neighborhoods, right? But I guess which neighborhoods? Yeah, you know, which uh, there'd be many left out. Yes, exactly. Uh, so that is a great point, uh, Joel, about the the launching pad. Uh, yeah, five homers yesterday, four solo shots, and a three run shot by Kirk. That was yeah perfect for the Jays fans as it, it hit that overhang uh, right by the left field uh, foul pole. I'm not sure the name of that. Uh, overhang, but overhang could be it. I mean, if they're going with Park Social, let's just go pretty literal. <laughs> uh, uh, so yeah, that's it's it's totally uh, a good call. Um, yeah, if you want to hit home runs, come on over. Now they did they, they did increase uh, the wall height in the corners, um, so it's you know a higher a higher wall, even though the dimensions will stay the same and, and dimensions have changed a little bit uh, throughout uh, the park. Um, yeah, I mean, it's just a few feet, really. It's like four feet, um, down the left field line, but yeah, left center has gotten a little bit deeper. So 
Yeah, I can't wait to see. And it was an open air night, so maybe there was a, a few extra uh, dingers out there. Um, but great stuff, Joel. Thank you for the uh, the comments <laughs> on Rogers Center RE. Uh, I miss Rogers Center. There's no doubt. But uh, let, let, let's take a quick break, Joel. Uh, oh, I do. I do want to just quickly circle back. The Angels have only pitched five guys. Uh, I should have done that checking beforehand. Put you on the spot. I didn't think that it would be as easy as it was to go to baseball reference and figure that out, but it was pretty easy. Uh, Otani, Sandoval, Anderson, Detmers, and, and Suarez have pitched for them, but last year was a little bit different uh, for them. Um, but anyway, let's take a quick break, and uh, after it, I attended a baseball game in 2023, and I'll let you know how different it was. We'll be right back. We are back on No Bunts, and as I've pitch to a couple times I wanted to go to a game to get a feel for what it's like to be at a baseball game in 2023 with the new rules on Monday night here in Atlanta I went to Truist Park the Braves were hosting the Reds I purchased a ticket through a third party app Uh, I uh, purchased a parking pass using that same third party app now could I have gotten a press pass I hope so I hope that's the case. You would think. <laughs> yeah. You would think. Yes. Yeah. Uh, but I didn't want that. I wanted to live the experience of a fan. I didn't want the the, the ability to say to, to brush something off and say, oh, I got, got in for free. Like if there was something I didn't like in the stadium or something I didn't like with the new rules, I would just say, well, you know what? I parked for free. I got a free <laughs> ticket. I wanted to feel the weight of the actual experience of a fan, so and the pain point, the pain points of paying the ticket, right? Yep. <laughs> but are you going to expense those tickets? Oh, didn't think of that. No, I can't do that. <laughs> can't do that. You know what's funny is that the parking was more expensive than the ticket. Wow, classic, Whoa. classic Atlanta. Yeah, uh, they've got it locked down. They did it so smartly with the, the parking. Uh, the, I, usually, I'd go up to a stadium and I'd, I'd figure it out, yeah. but it's such a pain. A parking pass made sense to uh, to purchase it. Did you know where to go though? Like, no. Yeah, that's the. the yeah. yeah, I know we've we've experienced this before. The, the signage is actually decent, but I still didn't know where I was going. Mm. I've got these big digital signs, lot sixty, lot <laughs> S sixty, and I turned away from the stadium. I wasn't, uh, but yeah, it ended up being they they they've got a, a decent. Well, they've got a lockdown. You go pay for a lot for parking, a lot more than the actual ticket. Anyways, it's unfortunate that there's no real public transportation up there. They know what they did. They're making mm-hmm. fist over fist uh, of <laughs> dollar there at Truist Park, which is uh, a nice experience. Actually, yeah, speaking of that, since we're yeah, – no, actually, I won't get into that. I'll get into it a little <laughs> bit later where, where somebody complained to me about the uh, the overpriced food. But let's get into that a later later because I did want to go there just to get the feel, as you said, Joel, about the timing of mm-hmm. each pitch and how it feels just to be a baseball fan and how that's a little bit different uh, now. So first pitch, I was timing everything, 7.20 Eastern. And I wrote it, wrote it down, and I wanted to see uh, yeah, how, how quick this game would go along. There are two clocks at the backstop on, on either side of the catcher that indicate you know, which, uh, when the pitch has to be delivered or when the, the, the motion of the pitcher has to start, when the windup has to start. Uh, 15 seconds when there's nobody on base, 20 seconds when there is somebody on base. 
And one thing I did notice on the scoreboards throughout the entire stadium, they have mound visits on there and the number of mound visits left for each team. So there's five mound visits for each team. Unless you use those, then you get an extra one in the ninth inning. But they're basically saying to people, making it clear to the fan, hey, we're we're, we're clocking these things. We're not just letting pitchers uh, or pitching coaches or managers go out there and hang out at the at the pitching mound. Uh, so they're you know they're, they're just doing so much to again try and speed this thing up. The bat boys and bat girls were hustling, everybody hustling onto the diamond and hustling off the diamond. There's, it's it's obviously a concerted effort. And I did, I did notice this. Now you can tell me, Joel, if I'm sort of overemphasizing this, but I felt like I barely saw a catcher shake off a pitcher. Uh, I don't know if that's happening because of the pitch com system, which was introduced last year for catchers to be able to send an audio message through a, a device on their wrist to to type in instead of instead of throwing JD if you if you weren't uh, um, on side with this or, or or this was unbeknownst to you that catchers yeah you know usually throw one on the inside say fastball inside curveball outside whatever uh they now have the option of typing in a little device on their wrist so that gets sent to the pitcher and an audio like they've got a speaker basically sewn into their hat or on their hat Mm -hmm. and they hear that and they just throw the pitch but that was the system last year now pitchers can do that and that's it's up to them if they want to use this device but they'll throw a pitch and they'll turn around They'll go onto the back side of their glove and they'll type in curveball down and in. There, there needs to be no communication. This, the, there has been a couple problems with the the audio system uh, at the beginning of games, and that's when the catcher has to come out and say, "Oh, we got to go old school with the fingers here for the first inning, and then we'll figure it out when we get back into the dugout." Well, what's the logic there? Just to speed expedite it, it? Yeah, speed it up so you, so there isn't the old the signals and the yeah, so there isn't the old like, look in. So that's why I feel like there was zero catchers shaking off pitchers. Am I my way off base with that, Troll? I don't think so. But just as a point, too, I also think this this pitch comp thing was also born out of potentially the Astros scandal sure. because there was the this, uh, the whole like trash can thing. And so I think this was partly born out of that so it would be very very difficult for teams to steal because i know i think boston and new york were using apple watches as well so i think pitchcom was introduced as a way to basically just stop uh sign stealing all together but you're right it does you know it, it does uh, speed up the game and i don't yeah i don't really see too many pitchers shaking things off from their catcher and like you said now pitchers have the ability to have their own device and then communicate that to the catcher as well, which I think is new. So, yeah, I haven't really seen much of that. Yeah, the pitcher's ability to send it into the catcher is new this season. And, mm-hmm. yeah, it's definitely for cheating, uh, as you said, Joel, definitely for that, but also it definitely speeds up the game. Shohei Otani is using it while he's on the mound. Mm-hmm. And the the reasoning behind that is Otani's got – so many pitches and so many variations of his pitches. Uh, and he's got a, a rookie catcher back there, an Ohapi, Logan Ohapi back there. And basically, yeah, there doesn't need to be the old, uh, what do you want to throw type thing? Like, you know, you work on it before the game. Um, but there is, yeah, that sometimes that, 
you know, what, let's figure this out. And to me, even though that's baseball, uh, even though, you know, some of the moments you think back of are, you know, Jack Moore shaking off a pitch and just, and that's, that's baseball. And I, and I was in a park yesterday and I saw some kid, uh, you know, had his leaned over hand behind his back doing the shake, uh, shaking his head and, and thinking about, uh, you know, just because that's, that's what he sees, uh, professionals do. I think it makes total sense. Um, and yeah, I, I wasn't close enough with my, uh, the cheap, uh, ticket that I bought to really see how much shaking, uh, of, uh, how many shakeoffs there were, but I think it makes entire sense. Uh, if pitchers, again, it's optional for pitchers to use this pitch comp system, but I like it. And, uh, this game, uh, was flying along and, uh, I, even, I changed locations just to get a feel from a different location. And, uh, I wanted to report this time doesn't change no matter where you sit in a baseball park. Uh, so that, that was kind of dumb, but I, I was just having fun, uh, being in a stadium by my lonesome. Actually, when I checked my, uh, I, I scanned my ticket, the uh, ticket taker said two. I said, no, <laughs> rolling solo. Uh, <laughs> uh, I will say one thing that did feel a little rushed, Joel, and, and tell me this. So I, I mentioned pitch clock for guy on base, it's 20 seconds. Nobody on base, it's 15 mm-hmm. seconds. When a hitter is retired, there's 30 seconds for the pitcher to start his windup to the next hitter uh, to deliver a pitch to the to the new hitter. So with the home team, especially with the Braves, that 30 seconds includes the walk-up music and the batter getting into the box. Uh, and that's when I kind of felt like it was a little bit faster. Now, that might just be me mentally wanting to hear a second bar of the song or, or, or maybe because just the audio was a part of it and that kind of threw me off a little bit, but I'm sure hitters aren't entirely used to hearing one bar of a song. Oh, despacito. This is how we do it down in Puerto Rico. Then get in the box. Like they are taught. It's just a new rhythm for them, but is it rushed compared to the old days when, when a guy is getting into the box or, or am I like that kid just wanting the old, uh, waiting for the the batter to you know to adjust himself and and do his thing is it is it just i'm not used to it or 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 am i just totally off base with a a hitter getting into the box no i think i mean i think these rules were designed to speed everything up you can't have one without the other like me personally i haven't really noticed that uh, as an issue at all, Tess, I haven't really, I mean, you were there live in stadium, so maybe it was more apparent to you, but in terms of like watching games on TV, uh, I haven't really noticed it. So, you know, I mean, get your bars in, you know, make sure if you're going to pick a bar, make sure you're picking the one that counts. uh, If you've only got 30 seconds to get in there. But uh, yeah, I mean, I personally haven't really noticed it uh, at all in terms of it, like feeling rushed. Okay, I I totally I totally agree with you. Do you think later on in the season, because Rob Manfred, Commissioner of Baseball, has allowed for some variations in these rules? He hasn't he ha- doesn't he has said that when it gets to the postseason or when when it comes to late game moments, we may adjust the rules where a pitcher mm-hmm. can take a little bit more time. You think they'll allow for a little bit more time between pitches? Uh, or between batters or changed any of the rules when it comes to these big moments or the postseason? Mm-hmm. 
I think they will. I think they will because, I mean, it's going to add more drama to the game and you want those in those big moments, but you don't need to have a batter step out you know, for a minute and a half or, you know, you don't need to see a pitcher, you know, call time and all that. Like, yes, that builds tension, but you don't need two or three minutes of that. Just, just throw the ball. Uh, I trust, like I, like I said, I like the new rules. I think there'll be some bumps along the way and they can always adjust it here and there. Uh, And I think, you know, in October, if they were to add maybe five to 10 seconds here or there, I think that would be a good thing. And I still think you're going to get playoff games that, you know, obviously they're going to be longer because they are playoff games. They want to run more commercials and things like that. But in terms of total, you know, game time, I don't think, I think it'll be negligible, maybe five or 10 more minutes. And and that's fine. I don't, I don't mind that. So if they want to, you know, extend it in, uh, into the postseason and adjust it, I'm totally fine with that. In fact, I, I probably encourage it to be honest. Yeah. It's a little bit of a slippery slope to make it happen now. Uh, I, mm-hmm. I do think the yeah, it's just because like where do you draw the line? Because in the regular season it's working. Let me tell you, it's working. The games are so much faster. Going into the ninth inning, I thought I was going to be uh, I was going to be home before tennish. <laughs> um, but the uh, the Braves allowed uh, the the Reds to tie it up. It was three one going into the bottom of the ninth, and uh, I'm checking the clock. Whoa! This is this is going fast. AJ Minter comes in here. I thought I thought we're done, but he allowed a single, and then pinch hitter comes up. Stuart Fairchild, what a name! I thought still he's gonna we're gonna get out of this at some point. But uh, Fairchild lifted a a fly ball deep to left, and unfortunately I was in the three hundred level and this was under me and I couldn't see it. But Kevin Pillar went up to grab it. Usually the sure-handed Kevin Pillar, and and the ball kind of ticked off his glove and hit the top of the wall. And it went back into play, and Fairchild got a triple out of it. It wasn't called an error. Um, and Pilar may even missed it and may have just hit the top of the fence. So a run comes in, it's 3-2, and he's on third with nobody out. They actually did a video review, which was a very sad moment uh, in the ballpark because it was an umpire's and official's video review to see whether or not it was actually a home run, whether or not it went over the fence. It wasn't to to see if... Uh, it, anything would be overturned. It would just be a, an additional base <laughs> uh, tacked on. So when uh, they came back and they said, yeah, the, the the call stands, Braves fans had to cheer in a weird way. <laughs> I mean, everybody was cheering for a triple that hurt us. Anyways, uh, Fairchild scored. The game went into extras, and at that point it was two hours and 37 minutes of nine full innings uh, in this instance. And I wondered... Do I stay? Do I stay for an extra inning? Uh, of course. Of course I do. Yeah. If I'm going to expense this ticket, then I better <laughs> stay for the entire thing. Uh, but but uh, as we know, there's a runner placed at second in extras during the regular season, and the Braves allowed a run in the top of the, the 10th. And then with a runner on in the bottom of the 10th, first hitter, Sean Murphy, Braves catcher that they got in the offseason, in that uh, the big deal with uh, the three-team deal with the, with the Oakland A's, Braves fans were worried. Sean Murphy's going to take away from our Travis Darno. Totally understandable. And the, the the calls, the squirreliness was even louder during the first few games because he was only three of twenty coming into this game. But I saw the Sean Murphy breakout game. He had a couple doubles, and then in the bottom of the tenth, bang, first pitch, went yard, and that was the game. Two run shot to win it. He had three hits in this one, 
and uh, game time was two hours and forty seven minutes as we uh, as we all Damn. exploded ten wow. inning game. Yeah, it was a, it was extremely quick, and I know we've had we've had a sub two hour game, right, mm-hmm. Joel? Yeah, Miami and Minnesota, they had a sub two hour game. I think it was the final score was one nothing last week. So yeah, I mean it's just moving right along. But you know, the fact that you went to an extra inning game and it was just just shy of two hours and forty minutes, that's unreal. Yeah, two hours thirty seven minutes and I'm worried, Joel. I'm worried that uh, baseball might be the fastest of the four major sports here. Uh, I've I've been saying it about basketball forever, but it's it's going to be neck and neck. Basketball will still probably be a little bit shorter, but uh, uh, baseball, yeah, it's 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 going to be um, very close to the two hour thirty five minute mark. Two, it was in last year during the the minor leagues. Uh, it, it ended up being at around two hours and forty minutes. And I imagine that's where it'll land. And uh, I have this this old dumb rule watching baseball forever. I thought three innings of baseball always takes an hour. Mm. It's just it's just the way it goes. Uh, but now, mm. but now, new rule: it's fifty minutes for every three innings of baseball. It's a little bit shorter. And uh, uh, I I just want to get I want to get all this time talk out of the way now in April because. I just want to talk about the games uh, and I want to talk about mm-hmm. other things, but I'm glad I'm glad that going to the, to the game for me was, it was just a good experience. I did hear, you know, overheard some conversations. I'm doing my reporting, uh, hearing some fans say, I heard one fan say to another, is it all right if we go here uh, before the game? And the other fan said, well, if we miss the first pitch, no big deal. That's baseball. Sometimes you care about seeing the first pitch. Sometimes you don't. I know a lot of uh, fans complain about being in the stadium uh, so far, just hearing the conversations. And and they're basically like, I don't want to leave my seat and miss a full inning of baseball because the game is going so fast. It's a real counterintuitive argument. Just stay in your seat then yeah. or go get be faster going to concessions or or they have vendors that come through like you don't need to leave yeah I, basically it's it's a social game it's park social game and people just want to go and hang out <laughs> in the the corridors and in the and just hang out and talk and i get that it's that it is fun <clears throat> but there's no time to talk anymore. The game's too fast. Danielle was texting me. I said, I can't. There's no time to talk. I got a baseball game to watch here. I got to walk up to the 300s and really work on my my glutes. That was a long walk up to the 300s, but a, a fun time. I didn't see one stolen base, though, unfortunately. That's uh, too bad. Yeah, I'm looking. I, I want the stolen bases are up, as you said, Joel. Mm-hmm. Just Just the look as well, getting back to what it was. 20 years ago without the shift where there is a fielder on either side of second base shortstop and and a second baseman on either side of second base now. They're playing guys up the middle who pull, like Matt Olson was up, and the shortstop, as a left-handed hitter, the shortstop was playing him basically right up the middle you know, with his feet on mm-hmm. the right side of the uh, – the left side of the bag, but on the proper side of the bag. So it looks a little bit different. But the fact that you know that there could be – a little bit more athleticism because guys aren't bunched up. You know, three infielders on one side, uh, it, I think, makes for just a little bit more anticipation, better anticipation, more entertainment. Now, we haven't seen 
the let's say it's a left-hand hitter like Matt Olson. We haven't seen the left fielder come play short right field. Like there were those experiments uh, in spring training where a few managers, not many, but a few decided, okay, let's, let's feel this out. Should we just keep left field wide open when there's a left-handed hitter up at the plate? Uh, but the risk is too high for that. So we, I, I'm, I'm guessing, I'm pretty sure that we haven't seen that during the regular season quite yet. So I, I like that it looks you know, more like uh, baseball. It feels like there's more athleticism to be had. It feels like there are going to be more doubles and triples, and the stolen bases have de- definitely gone up. Uh, so I was uh, I was excited, and uh, even if I paid twelve dollars uh, for this bucket of popcorn, Ooh. and I got a, a wow. collector's a collector's item here uh, where I have oh, this I have the schedule on here now as I slowly Ooh. turn it towards the camera. Oh, nice! I was in the ninth inning, and a fan said to me, "Oh, would you would you pay? Would you pay for that popcorn? Twelve bucks." And and I said yes, that's exactly right, sir. That that was exactly twelve dollars. And he said, "Well, yeah, my uh, my friend here, a brown for the first time, spilled his beer, had to Ooh. buy him a new one. Twelve bucks, twelve bucks for a blue moon." <laughs> <laughs> He's like, "I don't drink, I don't drink, but uh, it's his first time here, so I had to buy him one." But this is a great place. This is a great place. Is what he said. He just wanted me. They at least put an orange slice on that. <laughs> twelve bucks. I don't know. A can of beer was twelve dollars. Um, yeah, wow. which, which was more expensive than my ticket, or very close to my ticket, whatever it was. <laughs> oh my gosh! Anyways, a great experience. Hauled my butt out of there, door to door, a little over three three ish hours. A fun time, and uh, yeah, the games game times are down, and it, it doesn't feel unlike baseball to me. Um, even though, yeah, as you said. Is is there is there one particular thing that is 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 in your craw, Joel? But because you said it, it feels different to you, and I want to get mm-hmm. your perspective because you've watched a lot more baseball than me. Is there one particular thing that is different that makes it feel different to you? I would say just kind of the inconsistency with how they're enforcing the rules. Uh, Tim Anderson got kicked out of a game. Um, because I think they call it the Max Scherzer rule because he was kind of playing loose with the rules in spring training, kind of figuring out how to game the system. And so I think they amended it even in spring training. You have to like make eye, like the pitcher and the hitter need to make eye contact. And then that officially signifies that the pitcher can throw it. I'm paraphrasing and I might be getting it slightly wrong, but um, Logan Webb struck out Tim Anderson Uh, on a pitch and Anderson wasn't ready. And then he got kicked out of the game because he was arguing, but he said, wait a second. Like I was in the box, but I didn't make eye contact with the pitcher. Mm. And so I think there's just a bit of inconsistency with the way that some of these are being enforced. But again, like there's going to be some growing pains and, you know, there it'll be a rough around the edges for a bit, but that's my only thing. And and like Tass, really, if I'm being honest, I'm nitpicking. That doesn't even really bother me that much. They'll get it right. You know, the players will adapt. The umps will adapt. Everyone will adapt, but that's really the, only thing I would, you know, kind of say that's bothered me, you know, through the first two weeks. All right. Great stuff. Uh, so Tim Anderson got kicked out of a game. Perfect segue. We got a new game to play. It's called you're out. <laughs> uh, it's, uh, 
a fun game, which I'm sure will be recurring here on No Bunts throughout the season. One of these has to go. Three objects within a category. One's got to go. We're going big here. We're going stadiums today. And one of these historic parks has to go. Camden Yards. Oriole Park at Camden Yards, if you want to be technical about it. Wrigley Field and Petco Park. Now you brought these up, Joel, so let's start. <laughs> you start. Which of the three? You've been to all three, I assume. I have. Okay. I've only been to one of the three, so let's let's take your expert opinion. Which one would you eliminate? One has got to go. <laughs> this... As soon as I wrote this, then when I was preparing for the show, I'm like, oh man, I think I stepped in it. Um, (laughs) All three, like, I just want to preface this by saying I love all three parks. And I'm not just saying that to, you know, like I genuinely like all three parks. They're very unique in their own way. When I was kind of coming up with this, I said, I'm going to pick a traditional state, like a very old stadium, a more modern stadium, and then one that was built in the 90s, you know, which was obviously uh, Camden Yards. It's, I think, almost 30 years old. So kind of taking it from three different generations. Okay, Tass, <laughs> I got to get rid of one. Here we go. Okay, here comes the internet score. Tass, I'm getting rid of Wrigley. Mm. Wow. Okay, but but here's why. Here's why. In recent years, they've made changes to Wrigley that I feel has made it worse. Interesting. Um, they they put in a giant scoreboard in, I believe, right field, which looks odd to me. Oh, so they, um, they got rid of the old do-it-by-hand scoreboard. I believe so, yeah. There's a giant like digital scoreboard in right field, which I think kind of sticks out like a sore thumb in a place like Wrigley. And also, too, I don't know the specifics on this. I was doing a bit of research. Um, the Cubs bought up. Like, you used to be able to watch Cubs games from the rooftops, um, right. you know, from from the center field area. And I think the Cubs have bought up a lot or, like, a significant amount of those units. And now they charge money. I don't like that. I think that's kind of a FU to the fans. I know the Cubs have a very loyal fan base. And another thing is two tests. Like if I was at a game at Wrigley in the summer when the Ivy is in, I would love it. But when I went there in April, it was cold and gray and the Ivy wasn't in at all. The I sorry, the Ivy hadn't grown in. It did not look good. It did look just ugly. I'm sorry to say it. It was cool being in a traditional park. Um, but with Petco and with Camden Yards, I feel they look good all year round. Um, well, what is Chicago supposed to do? Situate yeah, themselves in California? Weather, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, but it's just in terms of like an experience, like Petco is just a beautiful park. It's modern, but tasks like it's, it's got great facilities. It's got great amenities. Wrigley field doesn't really have any amenities. Uh, so if you're kind of like a casual fan, there's really not much you can do other than watch the game, which isn't a bad thing. Uh, but the surrounding neighborhood's really, really cool, which Absolutely. makes Wrigley unique. Um, Camden Yards has is just beautiful. I mean, and if I had to visualize, like if I had to create my perfect stadium, it's Camden Yards. It's so beautiful. I've been there a few times. The warehouse, 
Um, Tass, I don't know if you knew this. If you hit a ball out onto Utah Street, they actually mark it with a plaque, which I think is a really cool touch. And they've got Ken Griffey's who hit the warehouse uh, during the home run derby. Um, it's just it's just a beautiful park. And Petco, like even though it's modern, it's just a fantastic park. I like the Western Metals Supply Warehouse there too. And San Diego's got great food options, uh, like lots of international food. You know, I like to get my eat on at a game. So uh, when I was at the Cubs game, I don't really remember there being a lot of food options at the time. So all three are great stadiums, but between these three, I got to get rid of Wrigley. I'm sorry. Got to get rid of Please the, don't hate me. the legendary Wrigley Field. I'm totally with you. I would I would do really? the same. I would do the same. Uh, I, I, that's the only one that I've been to. And I had an incredible experience, as you said, oh, yeah. the, the, the surrounding neighborhoods, just being able to mm-hmm. to file out of there and just spill out into anywhere around there. Uh, so accommodating and was a blast. Mm-hmm. But within the park, uh, maybe they've changed the food options. I, I, I did look back on my photos. I just saw uh, there was a photo of me and a hot dog. So uh, I'm guessing, <laughs> <laughs> I'm, uh, I, you know, this is uh, this is ignorant talk here, but I'm, I'm guessing the food options are better at Petco Park. But anyway, mm-hmm. the point is, um, yeah, it's, it's hard to compare Wrigley and Petco uh, entirely. Uh, Wrigley, it has, it, I wanted to go because of the nostalgia. That's that's part of baseball. They, now they uh, apparently speaking of nostalgia, they still do have that uh, the analog scoreboard, but they do have the digital scoreboard as you mentioned. Oh, okay. Uh, so they've added that in to modernize it a bit. And you know, I'm seeing here in, in the stream team that it was worse. Our man Ziggy commenting live here that Wrigley was worse according to him, before the, the renovations that took place. Oh, okay. Um, and I, 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 because I know that stadium and it's, I still have the nostalgia, the nostalgic mm-hmm. feeling of going to Camden Yards. I still want to go there. As you said, it was early 90s, 92. It was that first of the, the retro parks. And yeah. everybody copied it uh, because they had to, because it was so great. Mm-hmm. It was such a success. And, and Petco looks phenomenal as well. Uh it, 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 I say phenomenal. I'm sure it's an experience. The the, the skyline, the backdrop. Mm-hmm. I might be I might be changing my tune. <laughs> Talking about Petco, Camden staying, but I, I I don't know about this. The Petco look. Can you sell me a little bit more? Because I don't I don't think it's not overwhelmingly. I don't know what the word is. It's aesthetically pleasing. It's just, it's just it's a park. It, yeah. It, but I think, I think, yeah, it's not aesthetically pleasing. Wow. Okay. Um, well, it's strong. That was a strong take. Big words here. Strong. I, yeah. It's, it's what, do you, what kind of feeling do you get being in Petco? That's what we're going for because the feeling in Wrigley, sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a lot of concrete. It doesn't feel as like a ballpark. You know, for, for like a new ballpark, it feels like an old ballpark. But what's the feeling mm-hmm. you get when you're in Petco? Well, the atmosphere is amazing. Uh, I think that's a big thing too. When I went to go, and again, like can't really fault Wrigley for this. When we went to go see the Cubs, it was in April, and they had an awful team. 
and it wasn't really like a meaningful game. But when I was in San Diego last September, they were like in a playoff. They were in a playoff race. They were playing the Dodgers. Like it was a huge game. The atmosphere was phenomenal. Um, but yeah, like it's just, it's beautiful at night. It's Tass, it's hard to, oh, there you mm, go. That's okay. beautiful. J- um, JD went for it. It is, uh, it is you, picturesque. Yeah. It is California. Sorry, Chicago. It, it is California. <laughs> and Tass, like I'm, I mean, I got a bit of bias. I'd never been to San Diego until last year and I absolutely love San Diego. Chicago is a great city too, but San Diego just really blew me away. But in terms of the ballpark experience, it just, it was so good. The atmosphere was amazing. The amenities and also it's very accessible to get to. I remember when we went to Wrigley, I think we had to, to, I I don't, I remember taking a taxi or an Uber. I can't remember. I don't know how accessible it is, but you know, (laughs) Petco, we were just basically, we just kind of took public transportation very close to the stadium, which I think is, is a plus, but you have to experience it like San Diego. Cause it's really the only sports team in town there. I believe after the chargers left, it's just like the atmosphere is absolutely electric and it just adds to just, you know, that great stadium feeling. And I, and there's no real bad seat in the house. I know at Wrigley too, there's, you can, there's actually seats behind like partitions, uh, which I think is kind of funny I don't think any of the new stadiums, uh, that is a thing. So, you know, that's another little mark to against Wrigley, but yeah, Petco Tess, I'm sure you'll make it out there one day. You will have a blast. It is a great stadium. Trust me. Are you saying it's aesthetically pleasing? Is that what you're saying? It is very aesthetically pleasing. (laughs) According to the, uh, the, the image that JD just put up a photo that, it's aesthetically pleasing. Uh, and I think... Uh, well, at sunset, in you know, from a drone shot way yeah. above it, right? And uh, Yeah. Uh, and as much as I've, you know, poked fun or, or obviously said, hey, Chicago can't be in California, that is a big part of baseball. Mm-hmm. Sitting outdoors. Being yeah. in, in the Rays Stadium... Sorry, you just lose. You lose so much. Being in being in the Sky Dome, as biased as we are, with it closed, what a different no, feeling. It's not the same. No, oh, no. It's just it's human nature. Uh, so there we are. There we are, Joel. Um, I think I think you made the right pick. Uh, I'm gonna. Be it was on, tough. It was yeah. tough. I'm gonna be on the fence here. Um, <laughs> there's no way I'm eliminating Camden Yards. Uh, but I got to go to Petco. Maybe, maybe this was just me hoping that the Athletic, even if they won't expense my ticket to the Braves game, <laughs> that they will send me to Petco Park. Send both of us. <laughs> send all three of us to Petco Park to take in a game and uh, report on it. But uh, that was our first edition of You're Out. JD, do you think it's coming back after that f- premiere edition of that segment? Oh, hell yeah. I just need to make a sting for it. That's all. Uh, you're a busy, man. Yeah. I was also, I spent about 45 minutes trying to get all three stadiums onto like a graphic so we could see them all together. Oh. It's impossible. It's impossible. Like, mm. to just get because them, of the dimensions? The dimensions, the 16 by 9 aspect ratio. And just like, what are you, the Wrigley Field one, it was just, I, I went, I was, I went for the outside sign actually, because that's the kind of the cool, yeah. when you Google it, that's what comes up first. Mm hmm. You know, and then Petco, really, all of the shots, if you Google Petco uh, Stadium, it's all the aerial shot 
Yeah. Lots at sunset oh, really? because it's so pi- picturesque. But, uh, but anyways, yeah. So I, we'll, we'll, we'll flesh it out <laughs> and, and actually have some graphics and stings and stuff for it. Like Joel, has, who has uh, been to many stadiums, I'm sure he's felt this, but, but because they are so wide. Because the, when you do take a, a photo of a stadium, photo problems here. You're, if you're, you, you got to go landscape and it's, yeah, I'm sure it's hard to put them together. I've yeah. been there. I've been there, done that. Anyways, uh, speaking <laughs> of been there, done that, just to circle back really quickly, our man Ziggy and the stream team, when it comes to uh, the Rays going perfect for the season, he came up with this number. I, I honestly don't know what it means, but these are the odds <laughs> of the Rays being perfect. The Rays have a 1.2417872 E plus 25 to one chance of going undefeated. What does that even mean? So the 25 would be, I think, zeros. Yeah, to right? the 25th. To the 20, yeah. So what's that, a quint, quint, not quintillion, it's higher than that. It's a, Right, it's higher qu- than uh, It's a lot. <laughs> it's a lot. It's impossible. It's, it's impossible. impossible. It's more impossible, more, less likely than winning the Powerball. Yeah. Yeah, or <laughs> the entire likely. team being struck by lightning during <laughs> during the season, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, okay. it's so not going to happen. happen. No. Okay, uh, what will happen is we will return next week, every week here on No Bunts. Join us throughout the entire season. For Joel, for JD, thanks for joining us. Make sure you subscribe on The Athletic Baseball Show on YouTube or wherever you get your pods. But for now, we'll see you next time.